This is the MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Hi, today I'm joined by Holly Ford. Holly is joining me from the same town as me. Do you want to introduce yourself, Holly, and say where you're from? Yeah, hi, my name's Holly. I'm from Milton Keene. I'm currently 27 years old. Okay, and we're going to be talking a little bit about your multiple sclerosis diagnosis along the way, and it's going to have some interesting elements to it I believe from from what I know of you because I met Holly through Facebook wasn't it? Originally yeah and then we went to the fatigue management course together and met in person. Yeah, yeah. so we met one another in person so and we've come to be sort of MS contacts, friends, we've met for a couple of coffees. Thanks ever so much for joining me today. So uh, can you just sort of tell us a little bit more about your path to diagnosis? Yep, so I um, started having trouble walking. I was uh, going to the gym quite a lot, I don't know, 10 times a week or something ridiculous. And um, I was really, really struggling to walk. And um, my personal trainer says, oh, you need to get this checked out. And I went to the doctor's. And they said, oh, there's um, nothing wrong with you. So then I went... Nothing wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. Because they said I was walking fine. Yeah, it might look like I was walking fine, but I was really struggling to lift my right leg up over. So then I went back like a month later and saw the same doctor. And he said to me again, oh, there's nothing wrong. You're fine. So okay. So then the third time I went back and my personal trainer advised me saying that I've rested for like a month. Um, I've done everything and it's still not better. And then he finally sent me, the third time he finally sent me to the hospital and they did MRI scans and things. But did they do that straight away then? Did they? Not on the day. Did... They did it. It was pretty quick, like maybe a week or mm-hmm. So it was quite quick, really. But that's because they put it through as a an urgent MRI scan, not like um, if it wasn't urgent, then I would have had to wait quite a while. And what did you say when you went to the hospital appointment that made them listen and think, let's go down the MRI route? Can you remember? I can't. I, I just explained what I'd been doing, um, going to the gym and things. But, and they did some tests that they do, like touching your nose and stuff, that sort of coordination tests. Yeah. And they obviously saw something in that that made them go down the MRI route. Right, okay. So they've done like the neurological yes. examination where they, did they test your reflexes and your sensation and things like that? Yeah, and I had to sort of lift. I was lying down on a bed, and I had, they asked me to lift my leg up and stuff. So I guess they saw something in that as well. And did they mention anything to you about what they were thinking? No, they they didn't give me any sort of clue. 
I had no idea. I think because um, I went with my mum. Well, mm. I got sent to the hospital from the doctors. Then I was sort of, I'm fine. <laughs> I didn't think it was anything serious. Like, serious, serious. I, I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't think it would be to that extreme. Yeah, so you were just kind of rolling with whatever they were asking you. Yeah. Exactly. And how old were you when this was all happening? I was 24, just okay. turned, and I got diagnosed in the April. No, the mark. Of the same year? So the problem started probably June, the year before. Yeah. I got, I got diagnosed in the March, the following year. But The, the following year? Were, yeah, so the problem start with walking and stuff started in the October. You must have felt a bit dismissed by your doctor to have to go back three times. I think that's quite an important point to get across is the fact that you didn't just give up on this and that you did go back and that you did almost make yourself do a little bit of hassling to yeah, get this exactly. progressed. And I think... I think the doctor should have, um, he didn't examine my legs or anything. He just said, there's nothing wrong with you. I think he should have looked at my leg, maybe done some tests or something with my sensation yeah. and stuff, instead of just fobbing me off. Yeah. Is that how you felt? A bit fobbed yeah. off at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely something to take away from that because it takes a certain amount of strength and belief in what you're experiencing to keep going back and saying the same thing again so I think that is a really valuable thing that you've un unearthed as we're talking about this thanks Holly that's um, okay <laughs> you were sort of just rolling with it and whatever was happening and you'd had all the MRIs and then you got called back in for some results yeah, so yeah. I had the MRI scans and then I got a, a letter with the neurologist three weeks later or something. And he diagnosed me with, um, he didn't diagnose me with MS. He diagnosed me with, because there'd only been a single attack on my brain and spine. It was right. multiple. And then he gave me steroids, which I took for five days. And I did improve. I got better. I started to drive again. And then... December time I was driving from work to my mum's and I was really struggling to drive I was mm. having to lift my my leg onto each pedal instead of it just going there so then I stopped driving at that point and I contacted my neurologist after Christmas and said that I'd got worse um, and then he sent me for some more MRI scans but that wasn't done as a urgent so that took a good month month and a bit for me to receive the appointment and then um, on the MRI scan the pictures when the scan wasn't clear enough they hadn't done the oh scan. yeah they hadn't done the scan very well so I had to go back for more MRI scans that were a better quality and then from them our MRI scans they were better and that's when he diagnosed me in the the march okay so a little bit of waiting go and undergoing tests and i think this can be a really unsettling time can't it yeah just waiting and wondering yeah and, and what waiting. was it so had he originally said that it was clinically isolated syndrome 
Is that what he caught, classed it as? When he said, before, when you'd only just had the one. Can you remember? It, it was called demyelination. Have you okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demyelination when, yes. Yeah, so it was just a generic uh, breakdown of the myelin. Yeah. not, yeah, but not like you say, the multiple. So you'd got the demyelination disease or whatever they'd classified it as at that point. So they did the, the MRIs again. And we, yeah. did you have any contrast in? Were they looking for some active lesions on your spine or in your brain? Yeah, I did have contrast the, the second time. Okay. And there was, my spine is full of lesions. My brain, not so much. There's only like one or two or three, maybe. Right. Okay. And the spine, it's sort of aligns to different functions around your body, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. So he, he shared that information with you. Yeah, he did. And then, um, and he kept asking me, "Do you have any uh, trouble going to the toilet?" <laughs> and um, yeah, we do talk and, about such things, definitely. Okay. <laughs> and then I kept saying no, no, even though I did, but I didn't want to tell him. I yeah, it, it was a bloke. It was a female consultant. It might have been a bit different, but because it was a male, I didn't feel very comfortable with it so yeah. I said oh, I no, get it. that yeah and that's what happened um when he diagnosed me with the demyelination and when he diagnosed me with the MS um but then when he did diagnose me with the MS I did sort of say to him oh I have had a few issues <laughs> yeah because it's one of the it's a, a really common issue so uh, I guess with the spinal lesions that's definitely got an, a connection to yeah. having a wee, having a poo, whatever it might be. And it affects people in different ways. It can either make it so that you feel you want to go and you can't, or you don't get the warning, so you don't have the time and you end up going unexpectedly. So it yeah. can manifest itself in different ways, can't it? Exactly. Have you, did any symptoms change at this point from when you got diagnosed? From me being diagnosed to now, the only thing that's really changed is my mobility. So when I got diagnosed, even though I was struggling to walk, I was still walking, holding on to things. Mm. But now I'm completely wheelchair bound. I can walk around um, maybe 10 metres with a walker. Not mm-hmm. very far. Mm-hmm. Um, my toilet issues have changed um I can't go to the toilet naturally um to go for a wee at all um I have to self-catheter um I think they were my MS nurse referred me to the continence team yeah and they um came out and saw me and we went through um some things the only way there was a tab there was a tablet you can take but because there was so much still left in my bladder after I'd been for a wee, the only option really was to do the self-catheter. So you do that sort of a few times a day? I did start at a few times a day, but now my body's used to... I started at twice a day, morning and night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got increased to three times. And then um, because my body's sort of used to catheterin yeah when i when i try and go for a wee it's hardly anything comes out so now i have to just do that now right 
okay and is that something that's quite easy to learn at first I thought it was really difficult trying to have the mirror on the toilet seat so I could see what I would, where I was putting it and yeah. um but now it's just natural yeah but it was so it did take a while to get my head around it yeah and doing all of that yeah and then um bowel wise I have to use a um irrigation system mm-hmm. which I do um every other day I hate it obviously no one's gonna like it but um, yeah it just makes after you've done it it just makes it I feel really dirty <laughs> <laughs> what after you've done it yeah well after I've done yeah. it I feel yeah like I want to have a shower <laughs> yeah and that's that can't be easy to have to do this for your bodily functions and then exactly. you know you're scheduling it and where do you do it and all the rest exactly yeah it's not an easy yeah it's not an easy thing so in quite a short space of time you've gone from going to the gym to being in a wheelchair to learn relearning bodily functions what keeps you going what is keeping you going um i don't know i just get for each day i look at the smaller picture so you get through each day rather than thinking oh Let's get through sort of a month. Mm-hmm. And then just take each day as it comes, really. Yeah, people just don't understand all these extra things that go on at all. So, um, and what do you do with your days, Holly? So I work Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a day off in between to rest. When I was first diagnosed, I was working full time. And I tried to work full time for as long as I possibly could, because I thought if I went down to part time, that's me letting me, me letting the MS win, and I really didn't want to go down to part time. But in June, I decided to go down to three days a week, and my work were very accommodating, and they let me go down to three days a week. So that's very that's good. really good. That's yeah. really good that they've been accommodating as well, isn't it? Yeah they've been lovely yeah and has that been a positive thing for you do you think reducing your hours I would say so yes because then when I I can rest on my days off then I can do more things things that I like instead of if I've worked a full week at work I'm just going to be tired I'm just going to sleep through the whole weekend Mm. at least go out and do things by going part-time it's actually enhanced enhanced your free time hasn't it exactly yes it has. yeah yeah and um did the neurologist prescribe any medication when what did he actually diagnose you with because there's different categories of ms isn't that yeah so he diagnosed me with primary progressive um ms and he advised me that there wasn't currently any medication for primary progressive um, he said that there is something in the pipeline but he doesn't know if and when it's going to be approved as it was um, with NICE. Right. But he advised me when he first diagnosed me with the demyelination to take vitamin D. So I do take vitamin D every day, 4,000. Yeah. Um, But um, then there was a new consultant starting in Milton Keynes. He was from Oxford Hospital. Mm. And he... He said that 
he would like to get a second opinion from him when he starts. So he was going to put me under him instead. Mm -hmm. So then then, um, the new consultant started and I saw him, but he agreed with my first consultant that it was primary progressive. Um, But that was after, I'd say, six months after me being diagnosed. And so you got so a second opinion, um, but that stayed the same. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so. um, he, the drug hadn't been approved yet. That was in the pipeline. And then what happened was the MS Society contacted me because they saw a um, an article, some work with me, and they said that they were going to Parliament to try and fight for uh, the drug to be approved but prior to that there was a um a petition that we they wanted me to be the face of because I'm quite young and yeah they thought it would be a good to have some a young face as the petition okay so you became a bit of an MS celebrity yeah <laughs> that's what um, um my consultant says <laughs> <laughs> so you were the face of what's this drug called then that you were doing the fe- called, the campaign it's called ocrevus ocrevus and obviously you supported that and it went on didn't it to get the approval it did yeah so we went um so we did the petition we went to parliament met quite a few um mps and um, neurologists from different hospitals and things and then eventually they approved it but not there's still a criteria you still have to be able to walk 10 meters I think mm. and you have to been diagnosed no longer than 15 years right okay um so if you don't meet that then you can't get the drug which I think is a bit of a shame because that's the only drug that's available for primary progressive yes I do think I agree with you Holly that is a real shame that there's just the one drug that's been approved and it's got these really strict guidelines. So that concludes our first part of Holly's diagnosis story. Tune in again tomorrow and listen to part two. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS Show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for The MS Show. Come back soon for another dose of MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to The MS Show podcast.